well, today's one year. One year, yeah. Uh, so we decided to re-release our episode that we did uh, in honor of our dear friend, Guru Jagat. Yeah. And uh, we were just going to add a little bit more, some things we didn't talk about last year, which w- we released an episode a few days after she passed. Yep. And um, boy, have has a lot happened for us. I know, it's crazy. Since then, and we've moved across the country. As you all know, we've moved again within the country. Um, Gina gave birth to our son. (laughs) And um, here we are in Vermont one year later. And a year ago, it wasn't even... uh, Actually, I think we had decided we were going to move to Vermont. Um, no, no. We decided August 18th. I remember specifically it was like oh, middle of okay. August cause we had just secured a rental. So a year ago time. we had no idea that we'd be actually living in Vermont. Yeah. We just knew that we'd have a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think I shared on the episode how basically my last two interactions with her were when she was in the hospital and one was, um, she left me a, a voice, like a voice memo, all excited about the 120th day. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to have a huge blowout at Rama. Yeah, which was... Which I also used to our advantage for the space. I was like, look, Gurjugget wanted to do this. <laughs> but everyone was coming together, really. It's not like I had to do that. It was just kind of funny. Well, it was exciting, too, because I think that the the month after her passing, it was like... There's just like so much grief and mourning and the the real, you could really feel her absence was palpable. And I think celebrating a new life, a new soul coming in was like a really beautiful shift. Yeah. The 120th day was amazing. I mean, she was definitely there, but it does break my yeah. heart that like she couldn't, she was all excited. And I told no. her it was a boy and uh, she couldn't wait to meet him. Yeah. And she talked about, like, let's all, like, go somewhere and we'll raise kids. And, yeah. Um, I think we could have convinced her to move to Vermont. I think so. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I just, I'm still, like, it's for Gina and I, so much has happened. We've done so much in the last year. Like, literally, the baby, the move... The baby, I released yeah. a book, I got yeah. another book deal. Um, we're finishing that. Gina's helping me tie up the loose ends, as yeah. always. Yeah. She's like the, the boss organizer. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you. Um, I mean, buying a house, so that's all our stuff. I do feel like, you know, she's been a part of this. Um, you know, kind of her last message to me after she died, like when she came, I was driving. And she was like, just go full force. Yeah. She's like, don't hold back. Yeah. And um, in true rebellious spirit. Um, and she kind of was like, go full media, go full funny, mm-hmm. and just keep creating. And basically what we're doing, but probably could be, uh, we could go a little more balls to the wall. Well, it's funny too, because we're, uh, we're working with a marketing strategist and we're putting together testimonials and I pulled out I unearthed a a document of people that we wanted to ask and then people that had responded with their testimonials and we had Guru Jagat on the list of like 
get a testimonial from her. And I think, I don't even think we had, we had gone about asking her just yet, but I was like, wow, like what a missed opportunity. Well, I mean, I took for granted, like Gurjug and I had a lot of workshop ideas, all sorts of things we were going to do eventually. Yeah. You know, she was always moving around. My stuff was growing, which is now our stuff. So it was able to grow enough for both of us. Um, it's not like I ever took it for granted. You just didn't think she's going to die. Yeah. And I still ha- realize now whenever somebody sends me a voice memo message, mm-hmm. I keep every one because um, I have I have two from her. And the first one, which was about the 120th day, and she was super excited, and I, the message ended. I didn't know she was in the hospital, and I didn't hit keep. And it's one of the biggest regrets in my mm. life because – she passed away like a day and a half later. Well, I kept the last, last message from her. Yeah. And then she revealed that she was in the hospital. I didn't realize that when we were texting and messaging. And um, for some reason, something said, just keep that other one. But I felt nervous keeping these messages. Like, you don't want to look like a stalker. Because you, know <laughs> yeah. you can see that someone keeps the message. Um so for me, I always notice, but now I'm like, well, if somebody doesn't keep it, they even value what I said because <laughs> right. I'll see it disappear. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> but now because of death, I keep everyone because there's yeah. a part of me that has some subtle fear that what if I never talk to this person again? And yeah. I didn't realize till the other night, sort of pulling it all up, that there's still a lot of sadness and grief. Yeah message and i'm on the fence of whether or not i want to play it yeah but it's like her my last words from her and she revealed to me that she was in the hospital yeah and this was it was a really not even two days before she actually passed the other scary part (sighs) was um the Tage had called me. It was like late at night, 10 p.m. or something, mm. which you never know with Tage because literally you'll get see a call coming in at like 1.30. Yeah. And then she's still up and then there's an email at like 6 o'clock, yeah. <laughs> 6 a.m. <laughs> Maybe even earlier. And you're yeah. like, oh, no. Um, but we were on the phone. She said, I'm, re- I'm going to the hospital now. And Tage said we might lose Guru Jugget in this realm. Mm. And I I just immediately said that that just can't be. Yeah. Right? And Tej said, I know. But those of you who know Tej or do any work with Tej, like she just is tuned in in a different realm. Yeah. And it just I the way Tej's sound current came through, it's like I just knew she knew. Yeah. Nobody wanted to know. And I just, my ego definitely said that's impossible. Like, just can't be. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I think Tej, you know, Tej agreed. Um, but we should talk about the cards. Yeah. So um, I guess you should maybe lead this, but we had, so basically before. So let me lead it then. <laughs> um, I just so wanted some, to get some air time. So <laughs> I picked the first card. All right, go. So Guru Jagat reached out to me when she was in Berlin after the accident, and she wanted me to do. I did a little 
a little mini reading. And one of the probably most prominent cards was the Priestess card, which is an archetype of the holiest of holies and can very much represent an initiation. doesn't mean every time you get the Priestess card, it means there's some, there's some big initiation. It's usually... I usually don't interpret it so dramatically, but the high priestess is the one who holds the space to the initiate. And they, the high priestess in magic and this sort of represented through the tarot is the guardian of the temple and decides who comes and goes. And to go through initiation, she holds that and that's, she holds the veil that um, is the, the, the veil of existence that we live on one side of the veil. Our consciousnesses are on one side, and sometimes the priestess will open that. And it's the holiest of holiest. So you have to be in a very high space. And um, so it seemed like, okay, this is going to be some big initiation, and, and, and it's going to be some upgrade. And then when she was in the hospital, you picked a card. Yeah, well, we had found out it was it was like when it got really serious. I think it was like Saturday night before I think she had died. Yeah, she died on a Sunday. Um, and I was picking uh, I just pulled a card for her. Just like I don't remember what I asked, but I pulled one card and um, a message about Guru Jagat and I pulled the priestess. So I held the priestess out. And I also remember on my phone, you know how it's like, uh, Apple will like do a feature photo from like sometime in the past. And I opened my phone and the feature photo showed up and it was you and Guru Jagat on stage together in Mallorca. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's odd. Like it just kind of felt like there were a lot of these, like, would that be like divine interventions where like something, there's like all these signs that are coming in that are like where you're, the doors are opening to like other realms. You didn't just ask me that, did you? <laughs> yes, Gina. Yeah, the answer is yes. You're literally a professional mystic now. Okay. Yeah, so I just want to get your clear job, about divine if you intervention. Keep your job, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, so I had pulled that, and then you. <laughs> he wants to keep going back and forth. What I didn't tell you is I at. I had picked the priestess card that same day. Like mm. the, another time, this the priestess card was some time before when I was talking to her in Germany. That right when she was in the hospital, I had picked the priestess card. But when I saw the priestess card, I just knew. And when I, I saw that you picked the priestess card, I knew. Mm. Like that, I I my ego is like no, but my spirit and me as the reader part of me knew but i didn't want to say it i yeah. hoped that i was wrong i wasn't picking anything to predict but here's the thing that high priestess is is the symbol of the sort of highest highest energy in the universe mm. and so i mean on some level that was very comforting and that the veil a very high veil was was opening. Yeah. And there is a a purity and an innocence and a truth and a purpose and the time was time. Yeah. And um all parts of my logic, thinking and power like absolutely 
I still can't believe it, but um, here we are, and it's yeah. been a year today. Yeah, it's pretty. So pretty we just wild. wanted to re-release this, some of the stories with her, and this is the last message. Very strange side note, I am currently in the hospital, my third day in the hospital. I went into the ER and then the ICU because of a pulmonary embolism having to do with complications with my ankle. And I almost died. Um, but I'm pretty shaky. Uh, this has all been very odd. So definitely asking for prayers. I wasn't, we were on the fence of playing that, but it just felt like so real mm. and vulnerable. Mm. Um, and, you know, I still feel guidance and especially the other night, just sort of tuning into it all. Um, and I guess we're still sad. Yeah, I know it's. It's still kind of a shock, to be honest. But I'm also been inspired. There's a vacuum here, and uh, we've been going gung ho to keep creating, getting teachings out there, and offering substance and and reality of soul, um, which is kind of I felt like ultimately that was her her after death message when she came to me was like just keep getting out there and and have that courage. Yeah. I don't really censor myself. No. Instagram <laughs> Instagram does that for me. I think sometimes if <laughs> I'm like do I need to it. edit this part out and then you're um, like don't edit it. So, uh let's this episode now cuz we're redoing is going to be really long. So Yeah. Uh, well, let's with, just play with the further episode. Further ado, yeah. here's the episode. <laughs> Let thy soul be She is the earth, she is the sun, she is the trees. She lives in the golden veil of heaven, and I plead and I plead for this to not be true, for I am selfish with my feet on the ground and my head in the sky in wonder of its unruly nature. She is gone, she is forever, a lover, fighter, creator, leader, and the most glorious being to ever touch the earth. I wrote that for Guru Jagat um, the night that she died. On Sunday, August 1st, um, in classic Guru Jagat fashion, I felt to write a spontaneous poem that she would appreciate. So, uh, that is really beautiful, and I didn't even know that you wrote that. And, um, yeah, I love your poetry. Thanks. Um, I know you did a lot of your tarot poetry, and we're, we're starting to do a lot more at some events, and uh, those of you listening, we always like to kind of just start in and we're talking and it's funny, but um, 
since our last episode, our dear friend and a teacher to many, um, Guru Jagat passed on August 1st, which was a Sunday at 9.07 p.m. Mm. And so it's been quite a week, uh, an intense week. Um, hopefully I won't tear up too much talking about it and uh, that poem uh, it was really beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, it's been, uh, that was, this was quite a shock to, to many of us. Yeah. Um, still processing, it's still hard to imagine and believe this. And um, she actually had messaged me uh, some really sweet messages from the hospital, uh, really a day before everything took a turn for the worse. Mm. And she was trying to help us with the situation. So in yeah. true fashion, she was, um, she was still working from the hospital. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was like, I messaged her back. And I, I was like, Gurjaga, just, just rest and chill. I didn't, I knew she had been dealing with some surgery with the broken ankle. Uh, but one of the messages, she told me she just got out of the ICU. Mm. And then shrugged it off and was like, oh, by the way, I almost died and was like, LOL about it in that tone. So I assumed, okay, she's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, she's 41, uh, a very dear friend. And, um, and she's a real warrior fighter, too. Exactly. And when the next day when I got the message that everything took a turn for the worse, it was a in very intense um and it was very intense to learn that she died at 9.07. But I did want to touch on some of the numerology of 907, and that was her time of death. And again, in numerology, which is a free-form process, I took, I deleted the zero, so I started to look at the n number 97, mm -hmm. and it's actually the archangel Hanael. And this literally means the grace of God and the archangel of Netzach. And Netzach is, means victory. Mm. And that was... Um, Our Lady of Victory was her. Yeah, and that's Mother Mary. And yeah. so the 97 ties into grace, the grace of God, and it ties into victory. Netzach literally means victory, and that mm. is the... Um, Sephiroth on the tree of life. It is attributed to the number seven and there are all the the beneficent teachings of Venus, the archetype of the feminine, and it is the divine grace which has already prepared us for the good gifts we desire. Mm. And it's it's these it's all the blessings and it's the universe bequeathing to us the real prosperity Venus in its highest note is his true prosperity. Uh, and that manifests through all worlds, spiritual, emotional, intellectual, tangible, physical assets. And I thought that was, um, the kind of, as it often does with the numerology, I kind of stop in, in my tracks, but you know, she, that, that moment, that, that 97, you know, grace was one of her big teachings and the graces and you mm -hmm. were a part of that. And she affected, uh, 
the lives of many. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Also, um, Venus, I, when I think of Guru Jagat, one of the things I really admire about her was just all the amazing photos that have just been floating around. I'm like, wow, I, I just love how she, there were just so many incredible moments that she captured. And I think that that's one of the lessons that I take away from her and that I want to have for myself is like this archive of creation and then also just having like beautiful pictures of yourself which I think is something that maybe not many people think about but it's like it I don't know there was just something that came through when I was looking at all these incredible photographs of her and it's not many people get to have that in their lifetime um yeah you know it's interesting because now sometimes I wonder too you know, it's some part of her knew this and just set up a lot to leave a lot behind. Yeah. Then there's a part of me that struggles in the sense of like, shit, there's like, there's no more content, mm. no more worldly content. Um, but I did have an experience. You mean current events, right? Like, no, I mean, there's no more content being created being yeah there's not a new thing we can compile you know a teacher dies somebody dies that's it sure they they're in other dimensions maybe they're making contact maybe they're inspiring somebody else to create something but there's no more content yeah um no new content um there will be a lot of inspired content um but um i just i just feel this energy of this grace and this these these gifts that we desire and you know in magic desire really means like that true lust the mm-hmm. lust card for example really means that our strongest lust or our most our greatest thirst our greatest desire really is our destiny and yeah. that desire gives us that strength and um you know that I feel like those those teachings have have come through mm. um and just just leaving still tools for people to use and that's really important you know in the magical tradition and I I talked we talked a fair amount on teachers and I'll probably bring up because we recorded this episode last time about you know having a teacher and after that episode Gurjagat passed. So there's going to be some overlap of this. But in magic, the teaching is that a teacher, in order to be a teacher, you have to leave a legacy Mm. and you have to leave something in tools. So a book, for example, is a really good example. Um, A system, programs that can live on. And I would say she definitely did that. Uh, having a book but there are practices that will live on yeah I'm thinking about um when I was so I had heard about Camp Grace for years and then I've I've gone to a couple I, I would go for like a day but I never really spent the night and um it was the last Camp Grace that she did um I you know I I decided I was like this is a priority so I went and it was incredible. Um, 
And one of the things that I remember her saying to me, which really resonated, it was at the very end and we were all in a circle and it was everyone from immense grace from the um, year before. And I was there with my friend who had done immense grace and I, I hadn't. And, um, and she had asked if I could sit, she asked Guru Jagat if I can like sit in the circle and Guru Jagat's like, yeah, that's fine. And everybody went around in a circle and they all said what they, what their takeaway was from immense grace. And when I got the um, microphone, I said, I feel like the girl from Mean Girls where everyone's like, she doesn't even go here. And I remember it was sort of like my way of cracking a joke and like not feeling awkward. And I remember Guru Jugget was like, you know, you feel like that in every room you go into. And she's right. Like, that's really one of the things that I was like, I'm going to start crying. But I was like, yeah, that's what it's like. Sorry. You can cry on this <laughs> podcast. As funny as we try to well, get. Well, it's like it totally know, resonated so. with me. And I don't know. It's just one of the things that I just feel like actively just... Um, I think of that every time I walk into a room now because it's like, why I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be here, you know? Um, you're absolutely supposed <laughs> to be here. You didn't even want to do this podcast. Like no. at least on the front end, you were happy being behind the scenes, producing, doing technical work. And uh, I had to, I just for the record, I <laughs> dragged Gina into this kicking and screaming. Um, yeah. And part of it was totally self-centered on my end because what I realized is I really enjoy being on podcasts <laughs> where I get to just talk a lot. Yeah. And then I could teach the teachings that and what I was taught and share that and convey <laughs> that and not with through the language of tarot and astrology and numerology and everything. And I felt this formula for this podcast was a lot easier if it was sort of quote your podcast. Yeah. And I interviewed that I got to just feature myself <laughs> yeah. on every single time. Right. Um, and because I have I have these hidden secret episodes that I recorded with really good guests that I probably will air those. We should air those on Patreon. Yeah, we should. But one of the things that it's, I'm really rattled with and a big lesson learned um, with with Guru Jagat passing, and you know, if you didn't know Guru Jagat, with anybody else that you know passing, I mean, for me, it really hit hard. Like t to take initiative yeah. and to just go for things more, to not wait, and to move fast. Right. And like one of the things I was planning was to have her on. Like eventually, Gina and I, we will get around to <laughs> guests, but yeah. we've been just having fun doing it as it is. And in the back of my mind, I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I'll just message her and we'll meet up. She's really busy. I know she'll do it. And on some level I took it for granted because I was, you know, I knew that she would do it and we'd meet up and we'd record. And, um, now that's not going to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, so in se some sense there, I mean, there is regret there, but it's a huge lesson for me to just, just take action yeah. And that was something that I very much learned from her was just go for it and figure it out. Yeah, totally. And um and for me 
Uh, it was actually really nice to see a lot of you open up, even going to the graces and, and see shifts in you and really resonating with her as a teacher. I very much resonated with her as, as a colleague, and then I always get sucked into listening to her teachings, and I love all the business classes, and I also got to be a part of a lot of it. And and just thinking about taking that initiative more, because I was always able to message her and say, hey, do you want to do something? And it was yes, and I probably could have and should have done that more. And I don't want to live a life of could have, should have, would have. Yeah. But it definitely got me thinking that because it was so, she made herself so available, um, I didn't think of it as much. Because, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, we could, you know. One of the things yeah. I wanted to do was a, a whole workshop and talk about the goddesses through the magical tradition, which is what I'm going to be talking about on our upcoming workshop. And I wanted to do it because she teaches a lot of women. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, sometimes I just needed to be the one to, like, push it. She always said yes to me. And um, and she also really helped me build this work up years ago. Yeah. And pretty much everything shifted for me when I did her podcast, Reality Riffing. Mm. Um, when it was super small and uh, she had me on, I think my Instagram had like 200 people, if that. I yeah. think it was less than that. And um, that was right after that aired. It was right before it where I got to the point where everything switched when I realized I could just do all of this for a living. Yeah. I could survive. I could live on just teaching and seeing clients. And my personal story with that was the universe, it took me getting incredibly sick. Mm. And I was sick for about six weeks. I had this like flu, like every day I woke up exhausted, trouble like breathing, and it just kept not getting better. And I kept having to call out of every little odd job that I was doing. Mm. But I pulled it together enough to teach the one class a week that I taught, which was actually for decentish money as well. And then I still saw my clients. Um, and minimally. And I realized that was the first time for an entire month I, I had paid all my bills. Mm. And I barely worked because I was so sick and I paid everything through teaching and doing readings. And it, I swear that took the universe saying, you see, you can do this. Yeah. I'm bringing this up too because that all coincided with right after that switch is when we did the podcast maybe a month later because it was coming into the new year mm. the 11 year a few years ago but that is also the time that you and I really connected a lot more yeah and so those of you don't know and we talked about our our sort of love story which was sort of like she came into the shop I worked <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue that you were stalking me yeah um, I just that figured, Scorpio moon. well, I just figured you came in right every single day and then I worked a couple of days and then I had switched to like one day a week for four hours. And then, um, 
uh, that time though, when I was sick, that's when we really started talking on the phone mm. and we'd talked for sometimes a couple hours. And yeah. I, and I feel like that being that sick, I don't know what it was, but it was a switch and it was like my own little initiation. And I felt like, okay, we, you and I connected way more because mm. it was pretty much right after that, uh, because it was all towards the end of the year and Christmas. That's when our relationship really solidified. Mm. Um, and then my work. It, if you're do, if you're trying to break out of a job and get into the work that you're doing, and you realize, oh, I just paid all my bills and supported myself with a little bit of money left over. For me, all it took was that that one time doing it. I, it changed my life forever. Mm. And I said, this is possible. And and what I feel is everything shifted because I came into the right work that I was supposed to be doing. Mm. Because then all of a sudden, you got way more into me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally obsessed. <laughs> and, um, and I feel like in a way that I, I, I don't know if it's you, and I want you to comment on this. But I feel like partners, male, female, as a as a man, as a straight man, I have found that um, women are very much drawn to. And you're one of the things that helped attract the real partner I was supposed to have is I really lined up with my work, mm. and it had a deeper purpose. Right, I've, maybe on a subconscious level, that was I was picking up on that. Yeah, you wanted someone who had talent. Yeah. My theory is women are drawn to men. I'm, I'm talking in hetero world to men who have a skill set and a talent. Mm. It's not always like the money or sense of humor and all of that. Because um, I didn't really have that much money then. But I, st I have a good sense of humor. Um, what draws you to women? Well, one, as a Scorpio, you got to be obsessed. Okay. <laughs> Like I, you know, I know we're going through all this tragedy right now, but I'm a little resentful even at the dog that we're fostering because <laughs> yeah. the dog is like crazy obsessed oh with God. me. I can't even leave the house, even when you're here. And she's like, you're resentful. You go? I'm resentful. Yeah. Well, she just followed you out of the bedroom. That was once. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. I feel betrayed as a Scorpio. Oh my God. All Scorpios just, it's a calm, peaceful relationship as long as people are obsessed with you. <laughs> um, I'm sort of joking. I'm sort of not. But I want to tie this back into Guru Jugget. I'm saying the effect that she had, something opened up those channels where I, the universe made me sick. All of a sudden, our relationship expands. My career, like, because this is my purpose started expanding. You're a part of that purpose. That's mm -hmm. how I see it. Yeah. You may have no clue on any of that at the time. Maybe you just, maybe you're seven. Well, when I saw you. You're like, this poor guy is really sick for like six weeks. No, when I saw you like scheduling readings in text message form and like on Instagram, I was like, no, 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 no. We're, I'm taking over. Well, I was doing that myself. And then I went on Guru Jugget's podcast and Guru Jugget just pulled me in and said, let's do this podcast. And from, and then. I like things just blew up for me Yeah, and trying to manage the schedule and you have you're very adept at administrative skills. That's true. And remember originally you were posing as my personal assistant. I was. Um, just to, <laughs> so it looked good. But part of it is I literally got that busy 
And then that podcast led to other podcasts that led to other things. And then I was on things that, you know, literally millions of people listen to and things like that. But I feel like it was that momentum and that energy and those sort of quote gifts that I deserve number 97 Mm. or not deserve. I'm sorry. Gifts that I desire, Desire. um, which was this wholeness of my life. Finally in my forties to have everything start to come together Mm. with a career that has meaning that's creative. What I really love to do is I love to create yeah. Right. So I even loved my other jobs where I came into a new business, even if it was a restaurant and I got to just free range to create and start taking over with ideas and concepts. Mm. But now I get to do it for, we get to do it together. And so Guru Jagat, it really helped that spark and ignite that. Yeah. And then, um, I've taught a lot with her over the years and then I've really created my own thing and not my thing. It's really our thing now. Um, and cause you've been a, really a part of this the whole time. Well, it's interesting too, looking at her numerology and seeing she has a seven gift and how she really has created this platform of elevation for other people to come in and share their work to help heal the community and anyone that's really just stumbling upon her work in so many different channels like you can find her on youtube you can listen to her podcast there's free content there's paid content you can work one-on-one with her like there's so many ways to access her wherever you are ready to access her and i think it was really just the last like year that i was like i want to do this and i was fully committed and the last practice she gave me which i think you'll like was she said i want you to have an orgasm Every day for 40 days. <laughs> and <laughs> you, I was like, are you going to talk about that? Really? Yeah, but like, <laughs> really, no, but she was like, look, it doesn't have to be like, it could be you going on a walk and looking at a beautiful flower and having an orgasmic experience from the five senses Okay, of that uh, flower. what kind of Virgo shit orgasm is that? <laughs> All right, I'm a Scorpio. Well, you have a Scorpio moon. Like, the orgasm should just... All, I think she was just saying... <laughs> an look, orgasm. Just this a is, transcendent no, she like, sa- eruption of the cosmos. Okay, you weren't there. <laughs> she was just saying that because I was given the best task. Well, not the... I don't want to say the best task, but she was like, I know everyone's a little jealous of this one. Um, And it was like in a room full of like 100 people on a Zoom call. And she would go through every single person, talk to them and say, okay, I want you to do this. And mine was, okay, I want you to have an orgasm for 40 days. And she was like... Wait, 40 days only? You know, a lot of... No, no, no. Hold on. Let me just back (laughs) up. The thing is that 40 day notion I always hear within our community, like just keep doing it. Well, yeah, I was thinking for her legacy, I'll just keep doing it. That was my, that was like my takeaway. I was like, okay, Guru Jagat, I'll, I'll continue this practice. Well, that was sort of the last practice she gave you. Yeah. That's her legacy. That's her legacy for for me. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's pretty amazing. actually. Um, And I think for me, I'm my support it. Yeah, as a scorpion. But I think it's like I'm I'm more drawn to if she had given me a a job where it's like I I remember she had given someone something like creating like a TikTok video every day. And I feel like if if I were given like a job like that, I think I would have been like, "Oh yeah, okay. I I can do that because I'm kind of wired in that way." Um not to make TikTok videos, but just 
to do the task. But this was like more, it was just in the realm of pleasure. And I was like, oh, it was just something that I wouldn't have ever thought that I would be given, but it makes so much sense. Well, that's where good teachers come in. Yeah. And so each, um, I'm going to broaden this a little, but if you're a student and you actually have a teacher, you have a, a real teacher and someone you accept as your teacher, they're going to tune in and give you the things that is right. And that's something I very much learned in magic. And I would see each different people have different sort of situations assigned, different practices, different le- sort of lessons to mm. learn. And the lessons that someone else went to go through, I saw someone get, um, having a teacher, let me backtrack, is very difficult. So, uh, and I want to get into that a little bit more, but I saw one of my colleagues, and this is all in magic, this is where everything, you never talk about it, everything's like taught secretly, even the few people that were a part of it, it it just, it's a whole different world and it is sincerely underground uh and these are teachings that are passed down but i saw like a discipline where someone for uh six months had to take a, a mona- not a monastic vow a vow of silence mm. right so that's a big thing in eastern and then western people doing eastern things like silent retreats i used to have an old com uh, old joke in my stand up how I was like, Yeah, my girlfriend goes on silent re- retreats and then when she comes back she won't shut up about it. <laughs> Which is completely true. If so you know anybody true. who went on a silent retreat, like they shut up for forty days or ten days, but then for the next year they literally will not shut up about it. Can I say something about that? Because yes. I very similar to what you're saying. No, no, this is a silent podcast. No, no, no. no. Hold on. Shh. But I remember Shh. I remember meeting this woman who she was um she was doing the uh, Marina Abramovich show at the MoMA. This was like 12 years ago, maybe longer. And I remember meeting her at a pub in Boston and she was like sitting back. She looked so cool. And she had like her like glass of like whiskey. And she was like, oh, sorry, I'm just I'm just not used to communicating with people. I've been naked at the MoMA all day as a um, you stand. You basically stand completely naked and people uh, museum goers walk around you and it's like a, an art form. But I was like, I feel like she's just saying that just to tell us that she was in this MoMA show and she's just been naked for the last, like, you know, three months and she doesn't know how to interact with people. Probably that's the symptom of silent retreats. (laughs) But what I saw is someone gave it a very intense discipline of silence and it's what they were supposed to go through. And we're not talking going to silent retreat. Don't talk. Period. They had a job. They had to try to, they were pretending they had laryngitis for like six months. Jesus. Having a teacher is no joke. Yeah. And most people would have imploded, been like, no way, fuck this, I can't do this. Left slamming the door, crying to mommy, being ultra resentful. Yeah. This is what a teacher will trigger major resentment now i never got that discipline because um that wasn't one for me Mm. so i didn't i I didn't need to learn that maybe your teacher actually liked you what you had to say maybe this other guy he's like man (laughs) well maybe maybe i'm supposed to speak a lot i don't know but 
the things that we talked about last episode is I just, when you decide to have a teacher, just don't contradict, don't break the energy. So that's why the no, yeah, buts, it was always a thing. And that's a big teaching in magic. Just, Mm. just open it up and relax. I have a teacher now and I consider Tej my teacher and uh, she's very tough. Everyone, I get these messages. Oh, she's such a sweet lady. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's very, it's very hard. It's very challenging, but I would have different disciplines and I had different things that my soul wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. One of which was um, like standing up for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know me as someone you think I'm like assertive. I'm not afraid of confrontation and and I'm not really, but that took a lot of time. And Gina, that was one of my spiritual disciplines. Mm. And that's where I learned this notion that assertion is not aggression. And I teach that all the time, especially with the number five and being able to say no and being able to communicate Mm -hmm. what I want. And I speak of it often because it's actually been through my personal experience, but, you know, a teacher is going to just tune in. And um, so you, for you, it's orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was standing up for myself. And for this other poor person, it was silence. So that would have been, the, and I'm pointing what you're saying, like, oh, you could do a production thing. That's easy. That's right up your alley. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't have that one. Right, exactly. Somehow I could have pulled off being silent. Right. But I didn't need to learn that. I mean, unless we start a silent podcast. <laughs> that actually might be a good notion, just an hour plus of pure silence as yeah. a podcast. I think it would catch on, actually. I think so, too. You know, we give the people silence, ideas every single podcast. The silent treatment. The That's silent what I would treatment. call it. It's good marketing. Yeah, <gasps> silent treatment. And um, let's try it out. All right, that's good. Yeah, I think that's good. Because people will listen to it, and then they'll just have to tell everybody. Yeah. There's this new podcast. It's amazing. There's nothing. It's called this, yeah. The it's just white treatment. noise. Just, no, not even white, just silent, pure silence. Silence is one of the deepest teachings in magic, and for this new frequency for humanity, that secret teaching is silence. Hmm. That's the mantra. And that go, that's very layered. We can get into Shuni Estate, the number zero, the fool card, things like that. Um, There's a chapter in the book, um, which is part of the legacy I'm leaving. And I'm really grateful to have written a book, which Guru Jagat inadvertently led to that. Yeah. One of our teachers kept nagging me for years to just write a book for years. Mm. But the thing that really sort of broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but in a good way, there's got to be a better saying of like, what's a little spark that ignited a whole uh, path of beneficence. But um, because of Guru Jagat, she recommended me to our really dear friend now, Lisa Lister, mm-hmm. um, who is like family, her and Rich. She's another one I've been to have on this podcast, but now I'm like, I better interview. I'm like getting a little panicky, like everyone's going to die on me in my head. <laughs> like that's a little fear yeah. just to take the, initi- the initiative. But now, but I did a reading for her because Guru Jagat said, you've got to get a reading. And, and I did a session with Lisa, you know, blew her mind. And then we really connected and she's a very experienced 
published author and she's worked in publishing for years and it turns out she coaches women and how to write a book so i had a little session with her and she just laid it out and she helped me break down everything and how to actually just get a book out there and i'm like oh this is so much easier than i would have thought right and she was like you probably have six books floating in your head the mistake that most first-time writers make is they're trying to write six books Mm -hmm. in one yeah, they're trying to yeah. do too much. They don't realize you don't realize how much content you have in your head, and that's what I learned from Lisa. I'm bringing that up because I met Lisa, and we met Lisa because we were jugged. So I'm saying yeah. she's like created this platform of elevation, and th- I'm just sharing my story and how I created things that have created a thriving life and the gifts that I desired yeah. and still desire. Um, but I, for those of you listening, we want to write a book. You got to really simplify it. Mm. So she just broke it down. She said, okay, what's the book, uh, Path of Least Resistance? And I was like, numerology. I was like, numerology chart. How do you do a numerology chart? There's really 10 placements in a, a full numerology chart, but I mostly just work with five. She goes, perfect. Just do that. Five numbers or five placements. There's 11 numbers in the system. That's the book. And now that's the book. Yeah. Um, And Lisa made it. She gave me the clarity. And then I was like, okay, intro. What is numerology? What's my personal experience with numerology? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I get into the numbers. How to do your chart. What does it mean? The end. Yeah. Um, And so she facilitated that and... And I know you have your experiences. So you have orgasms. I have books. That's my <laughs> orgasm is book writing. Yeah. And I do wonder, though, if she has, because she was talking about she was in the middle of writing a book. So I do wonder if that's something that they'll put out. Where's your book of poetry? I got to do my book of poetry. I just saw you like, probably a have flicker. Enough, really? Yeah. It's a sign. A book of poetry and orgasms. Yeah. Book of the <laughs> a, a poems about orgasms. Um, orgasmic poems. Orgasmic poems. That's actually a good title. Yeah. See. Remember, <laughs> I, remember I got you that um, E. Cummings erotic poems book that was like one of the first gifts I gave you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in I storage have, I still, now. <laughs> yes, it's in storage. Um, That's what happens a hundred years later. We have a storage so we can just... You hold on. That storage unit. You actually got stuff that went right into the boxes that were going into storage. I know. But Never again. So much cute stuff. We don't need stuff. Okay. We have storage. Um, I mean, I'm kind of a minimalist, but anyway, we're getting off topic. Uh, well, usually this is a free flow <laughs> podcast, um, but we just were presented with all this stuff about Gurjugit, and I mean, this is crazy. We're, we're still wrapping our heads around it. So if we're rambling a little all of this is an honor to her but this is an honor to teachers and this is just an honor of the people that have made a difference yeah you know the thing that's helped my life probably the most is being in communities that are we celebrate each other's successes yeah and um having so many people in support of me doing well and me feeling so sincerely supportive of everyone else doing well. You know, even when I see a client, all I want is like the best. I want everyone to succeed and we get thrown all sorts of obstacles and sometimes it's challenging, but, um, 
it just makes such a difference. And that's why I think that sort of life coach executive mindset teaching of celebrate other people's successes yeah. is a wonderful mindset. Absolutely. Because if you start getting resentful about, oh, look at that bitch. She did stuff so well and has like this amazing husband and beautiful children and you're just spite following their Instagram. That's not helping your psyche. And I like that practice of just look at other people's successes. And if it's something that you really want and feel you don't have, look at it as the universe blessing you with an opportunity to just see that and, and imagine what it would be like and to, to have those things and to have 97, the gifts that you desire, mm. the grace of God. That's sort of incarnational purpose incarnational purpose of magic we could talk about all this destiny but ultimately the magical tradition is saying you're going to have a prosperous life success is inevitable we yeah. just have to remove those things that keep us from that while simultaneously doing the work i think that was one of the things that gave me a lot of peace when i found out that guru jagat had passed away because i knew that she was living her best life like she was following her path and her purpose and she was just an embodiment of what 97 those desires and she was an embodiment of someone that really followed their destiny and didn't stop I just I was so amazed by her endurance and they were always moving. They went, you know, they brought so many different people on these spiritual yatras and trips and um, just even like interactions with her. I do feel like she goes in, into the, into my, like the compartment in my head of like when something crazy happens in the world where I say like, oh man, I wonder what like Frank Zappa would say about that. Like, oh, I wonder what like George Carlin would say about that. Now I'm like, I wonder what good Jugget would say about that. Like, that's going to be like my new you know, it's like that thing that gives me like a sense of like camaraderie with you know, the people on the other side that were just great thinkers and philosophers and people that just didn't let other people's criticisms take them down at all. Um, well, yeah, I kept hearing her voice in my head when I canceled my appointments, all my clients this or I rescheduled <laughs> or we still have to reschedule. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going to take time off from work. And I'm like. Uh, I could just feel her rolling her eyes in the back of her <laughs> head. And she was rolling her eyes in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, and I just was like, sorry, girl. I'm a little crushed right now. Yeah. I need a little time. I'm figuring this out. But, um, you know, I did feel like I really got a powerful message and of her really wanted me to build everything we're doing up even more and I swear, not in words, but in an understanding of a transmission to go full funny. Mm. So we got to lighten, lighten it all up. We got to lighten it up. And I'm not trying, I don't like try to be funny, but I really like to use humor. And I like, and it's just naturally not as a contrived technique. And um, that's what I've really enjoyed this is why I love doing this podcast the most is to kind of just let things flow and allow the humor and, and things. Cause I think that becomes very 
uplifting in of itself. Yeah. And it's not always like an intellectual breakdown of, okay, 97 means this. The emperor card means this. Right. You know, the eight of wands, which are the cards that I pulled for this, this episode, um, you know, it's sharing. You got to apply it all to real life. You know, if it's, if you're not putting it into practice, it doesn't matter. It's just sort of theory. Eight of wands always reminds me of like radio broadcast. Yeah, Those Eight of Wands like, Swiftness. Beam channels. Totally. I love that card. Yeah, I got it twice too. today. And um, that card is Mercury and Sagittarius. And Sag is a teacher, communicator, writer, philosopher. Yeah. Mercury's the communicator. I feel like Guru Jagat, if she weren't a Virgo, I think she'd be a Sagittarius. Uh, pr- yeah. She I has see like that. Za- Sag vibes. Um, I think, I think Sagittarius she had a Sag was her moon, moon or something. Yeah. I always wonder, though, about birth charts. Like, um, it got me thinking too. Because nowadays, people pass away, and everyone leaves some legacy of social media, mm-hmm. right? And then I like, I, I mean, I remember when Facebook came out. I mean, I remember Friendster. Do you? No. That was like the first that you I was. Get, aware you shouldn't of. be telling people this. They're gonna really. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was old enough to drink when Friendster came out. Oh, my God. Um, Friendster, and then everyone was like, you got to go to MySpace. I was like, I know MySpace. I was like, fine. And then MySpace is still up. I can't figure out how to get rid of it. Right. And that's what I'm saying is when my my first friend or someone I knew that died and that was on Facebook, that was like the new phenomenon. You know, like nobody thought about, oh, shit, what do we do with these accounts? Yeah. Do we keep them going? And now I think they have memorial accounts. And then I had another friend die that I had like just messaged on Facebook. Um, so on some level, is everyone leaving a, some legacy, a social media legacy? But uh, so it's like that it lives on in the digital realm now. And people have so many more pictures taken of them. Like a child mm-hmm. growing up now, I grew up with film. So pictures were valuable. Thank God my dad tried fancied himself. A he was a great photographer. photographer. You think yeah. those are good pictures though? Oh my God. Yeah. I was actually just, I pulled up a couple earlier today and I was like, this is a great shot. It's like you and your mom. And there's like, it's probably like late in the day, golden hour. She's holding you. And there's like those plant, um, the macrame plant holders surrounding her. It's like such a beautiful picture. He's a oh, great is that the one with all the plants? Yeah. That was our apartment in Berkeley, I think. We so lived on pretty. Alcatraz Avenue. Okay. <laughs> That's Yeah, it's a big street. Yeah. Anyone in the Bay Area, if you know the Bay Area, Alcatraz Avenue, it's a big thing. Yeah. I have been to Alcatraz. <laughs> I haven't been. It's really weird. Um, it's was a that whole where tourist. Al Capone was? Yes. And didn't he supposedly escape? No. Oh, but okay. three people escaped Alcatraz, and I believe one... I think th- either they found two of them. One is is they never found. So they just, the authorities presume that they died. I'd have to research it. Um, I saw some like real crime, mastermind crime show on like the History Channel, like in the year 2000 or something about it. Um, but I, my, my mind, he got away mm. and lived his best life. In silence. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> he went on a silent retreat. Uh, yeah, Alcatraz felt very dark. I was a teenager. I went to visit one of my buddies that I grew up with who was originally from California. 
and then he was living in Berkeley when we were in high school. He's like, you got to come out and visit. And so I went out and then his parents organized like tour fun touristy things. As a 16 year old boy, it's pretty fascinating. You take this boat out to Alcatraz and you're like, Oh, and these cells are like six feet. And there's the, you actually have to lift up like the bed so you could have room to like walk around. It's pretty shitty hmm. actually. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Um, but now we've, uh, unless you treat it like a weird monastic silent retreat, I suppose. But, um, yeah, that was Alcatraz Avenue. Yeah, isn't the prison that was just in your head? Often. Yeah. I remember hearing someone um, give some reading of a book of inspired talks from people in prison. I was like a kid. It must have been somebody through the ashram that I grew up on. And the end of the story was, it's all, the story was called, it's all, it's, it's all right here. Mm. And they went on saying what you were saying about a lot of it's in your mind and how you handle it. But then the way the tone of the, of the way you said it at the end of the story said, it's all right here, Mm. meaning you can access everything. And within yourself, you access an infinite universe. And that's how so much of our personal lives, that's how much we can, we can cause change because within us, we actually do have access to an infinite abundant universe, no matter what's happening on the outside. Uh, And this person learned to create prosperity, even in that, you know, sort of their actual worldly Alcatraz. We just lived on Alcatraz Avenue in Mm. an apartment that my dad was practicing amateur photography. Yeah, he was. But really I good. do remember him um, developing film, mm. and he converted a closet with a red light. I've been wanting to convert this closet we, uh, into the, a get a storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, um, but sto- someday we'll scary. have enough storage units in Los Angeles. Are very creepy, but um, he had the little red light. I yeah. learned about that. I was like seven. And then he had this little bag. So when you open up the film, you can't expose it. And there's a, there was like a special bag that I remember like your hands sort of stick in mm-hmm. and it blocked everything out. And he would like undo the film, pull yeah. out the film. I don't remember all because I was like a kid. I'm just taking a class before I know what you're talking about. Watching it and somehow that was into the negatives. And then that turned into film through mm-hmm. this process of chemicals and you lay a sheet of paper and then the image appears it's pretty amazing to watch and we i should think put that, that on our mood board to have digital um right with the analog record player yeah and i finally as a gen xer i'm like my god i could fit everything on my phone even and now you want just like growing up with just walls of records i think we should do it <laughs> Um, what if this is what like if the, these devices the, just like they just disappear? The millennials brought back records because they had no idea what a pain in the ass it was. You had to clean them, and the fantasy is dead. It's not dead to me because <laughs> you don't know. You didn't. I lived it. I've had boxes, a record player crates before. and crates. Yeah, but if you develop a collection, it's just crates and crates and crates of vinyl and rooms dedicated. Mm. Fine, we'll expand the edges. Okay. We can do it. Whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it's just the romantic fantasy of it. Time is Although of the I, I love vinyl because 
that sound current is imprinted in a 3D pattern. So when you pick up a record, you're actually holding the vibrational sequence mm. as opposed to a bunch of digital code that you is it's just totally different. Also, MP3 is really it it like diminishes the sound quality. Oh, absolutely. Versus um, like wave file versus analog vinyl records. But back to film. Yeah. It was fascinating as a kid to watch this piece of paper and the image starts to appear. It's as if it comes through another dimension, but it's like 3D. Yeah. It's really cool. I love, yeah. well, I know you've seen it, but it just, all of that magic doesn't exist with digital. But at the same token, it's great because pictures don't cost so much. Like you just keep snapping on oh, that one's not good. You can delete it. I mean, everyone would yeah. just have a collection of really horrible blurry pictures well it's interesting you say that because i've since um we heard the news on sunday i was like okay i'm gonna stop being so precious with my little eight millimeter camera and i'm just gonna bring it with me everywhere i go and just start like spontaneously creating because i have it's just i i've like because the film is so expensive i've created this whole like block in my mind that it has to be like the most perfect thing that i capture but I'm like, I just need to go out and capture stuff with it and stop treating everything like, I don't Maybe know. the good note is is you, it, like photographers, like my dad was going through the world thinking in different terms, would this make a good shot? And if the yeah. shot itself is valuable because the film is expensive, maybe it will increase your awareness to recognize this is valuable. Totally. And so you see the world in a different literally a different light yeah because i look at my dad's old pictures and i was like oh these are kind of cool mm -hmm. i look at pictures of you and your dad's pictures and he wasn't into photography <laughs> and it seems apparent they're all a little bit blurry well he's taking pictures of pictures but oh you're saying like actual like photographs that he takes on his phone yeah 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 um i don't know what it is some people just can snap a picture though even through the phone you're like that We'll take the same picture through basically the same. We both have iPhones and um, yours just looks better. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. It's art, it's spirit. It's something coming through. But watching film is fascinating as a kid and that picture and living in the Bay Area. I like that, though. Like you, you start to I think you fine tune your eye if you're just if you're thinking everything is precious, but in a not in a way where you're not going to take action with it, which what we were talking about is just like going for it. But I think it's like, yeah, I'm, when I'm walking now, I'm constantly thinking of like, okay, what, what can I shoot? And I'm following the light and um, shadows. It, you know, I can bring this back into Venus. Venus is image, right? The negative side of Venus would be vanity, right? So that's where people would misconstrued someone taking all those pictures of themselves. And then I see it as someone saying, okay, I got to leave this yeah. behind. But also I Venus. I thought it was so inspiring. Yeah, that's what you are getting from it. Yeah. Which I think there should be more pictures of you because the podcast image is just a picture of me that we did years no. ago. And you're like this co-host where it's really the Gina Sullivan podcast and you just feature featuring me Remington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's yeah, just right. a picture of me. So everyone listening, if you're like, why doesn't this guy have a picture of Gina? Mm. I've been asking her. It's so my it's fault. Gina, so yeah. Yeah. 
it's absolutely it's genius. So your ten path, that's your lesson. You gotta just do it. You gotta put yourself out there. Yeah. Um but she, Venus Girl Dragon had ten path too. Okay, there you go. Venus is the lessons of true value. And I think you trans and it's art. And if you translate that through one of the art of photography is walking saying, okay, I have valuable film because Gina likes to still use film and um, you're going to recognize the valuable shots and see it. And I, I just think that's a, a cool artistic space. Yeah. Whereas I use digital and I'm like, oh, this might be cool. And I could take 20 pictures all almost the same thing mm. so i mean in a way that's cool because we see like amazing things get documented but you're walking in that venus consciousness which is netsock which is that number 97 is attributed to that uh that is the energy of victory and venus is netsock so all of these correspond and venus is true value mm. and it's true victory and 97 um if you reduce that down it it equals seven Oh yeah, because sixteen plus seven, and yeah, there you go. Yeah. So it's it's like even compounded more. So um, we leave on that sort of note, or that victory note. I know. I'm I'm just going into the numerology. If you look at it, if you look at that nine oh seven in military time, it's twenty one oh seven, which is ten, which was her path. Um, yeah, you know, I should use military <laughs> time more because there's way more numerology you could extrapolate from it. Yeah. Because then you can have, you know how everyone's like 11, 11, mm -hmm. like he, it's a sign. He's my soulmate. He texted me at 11, 11. I posted that hilarious meme. It was like angels being like to God or to creator being like, why won't she listen? I sent, I gave her 10 reasons in her birth chart why this guy is not the one. And then. He texted at eleven eleven. <laughs> <laughs> like people use numerology in the wrong way, where they just overread the signs. I always thought I can't remember if I mentioned this, but I was like, if you wanted to be like a squirrely doucher guy in the quote spiritual realms, and I guarantee there is some guy out there who does this, just set an alarm on your phone for all the like one 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 two 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 eleven eleven five 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 four 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 three three three, and then just like all the people you're attracted to just text them right at like have the alarm go off and then line up all the texts oh yeah you know and be like oh man this guy he's always texting me right on 222 11 11 but make sure you turn off those alarms when you're actually on a date with the woman <laughs> well that this is where it turns into a good comedy yeah <laughs> <laughs> um why this guy's alarm is always going off like what is it one hour and 11 minutes later yeah oh my God. <laughs> um you know it's out there because I used to get a lot of texts like that. But it's always a cool little confirmation. Something comes through or I look at my phone like, and then it's whatever. We did a whole episode in 666. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is how I'm using numerology to process like some level of, of grief. And because numerology in of itself is a meditation that just opens up something. And it is poetic. Yeah. You know, the Rosicrucian methods that I was taught, poetry is, is, a, is a fundamental and required part of magical training. Mm. That's why I think it's cool that you are such a natural poet. Thank you. And I'm really inspired to really get out teaching way more in person and uh, going deeper, 
even tarot, we wanted to do the tarot therapy course where you pull cards, you ask questions, and you write poems. You get into a sort of a channeled consciousness, but you're just tapping into the parts of yourself. Where mm. does a certain card trigger something? It's not even about the card. But writing poetry is it's a literal requirement and a practice, and I used to have to do it all the time. And I should probably dust that off. Yeah. Um, even though I'll teach it. And there's styles. Rosicrucian poetry is a certain technique mm-hmm. and a certain meditative style, and there's a way that it's done. Mm. There are other many types of poetry. And then there's tarot poetry, which is what you do. Yeah. Tell us what we do, you do with it again. Um, so I pull a card. Uh, well, can I say I ask what card do I need to know about today or what card does whoever I'm reading for it's need called to the know querent. About? The querent. What is that? The question? No, the querent. So if you're talking about doing readings, there's the reader and then there's the querent. Oh, oh, okay. The querent. Um, yeah. And then I pick a card and then I put it up on my little typewriter and I just free form. I don't even think about it. I really just based on the image I just channel the words and put them onto the page. Uh, let me mind you, it's unedited and on a vintage typewriter yeah. that you're hammering away on those loud keys. <laughs> and that's Rosicrucian poetry is you have to write, often it would be in time sequence, and you are not allowed to edit. Mm. And that's it. Just boom, knock it out. And so that poem you wrote, that we led with that is an unedited right on the spot written. Yeah. I, I, I listen to poetry and I hear overly edited poetry. Like I've been, I've had so many like graduate program writing friends throughout my life and I've gone to many, uh, collegiate, um, you know, PhD writer poetry readings and I hate almost all of it. And it's because it's so overly precise that their intellect, I never felt transcended the limitations of their own consciousness. And it was too contrived and it was too precise and it was too good that it lacked something fundamental. For Mm. me, being trained as a Rosicrucian poet, Mm. um, here and there you get these masters that like my favorite poet is James Tate. And he actually is a professor. He used to be a professor in Massachusetts. I think at UMass. Hmm. And um, anyhow, his poetry shifts my consciousness. I get goosebumps when I read it. Yeah. One of my favorite books of all time is called The Shroud of the Gnome. And it's a collection of his poems. And somewhere he probably, he, you, it transcends those limitations of his own psyche. But then there's probably some mastery of precision there. Um, and he blows my mind, but I've just sat through a lot of poetry. Yeah. I, I actually don't like to edit the poems well, just that's as, the... as it comes. Cause it, it just feels like I, it becomes too tedious where I actually just start to cut out lines. Yeah. Edit screenplays, edit books. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, there's different styles, but Rosicrucian poetry, you can ask a question. What do I need? What do I need to know to grow spiritually? Sometimes yeah. when you don't know what to ask, just say, what do you need? To, wh- what do I need to know for my 
you know, greatest spiritual growth right now. Mm-hmm. My piece could tell you to shift your diet, could tell you to go for a walk, who knows. But tr- ask that to yourself. Write a poem, give you, set a timer one minute. Yeah. Write fast. Do not change one goddamn word. Mm. That's one of the techniques of Rosicrucian poetry. Just write it out. Write it like no one's going to read it. And read it back and you'll answer your question. Yeah. I also, I was doing this thing that I know Men's Grace is doing last year where you wake up and you write a poem while you're laying down. Um, and that was something that Guru Jagat came up with. I'm not sure if it's like from a different teaching, but um, the poems that I'd write right in the morning, I was like, these are weird and cool, maybe like a little dark, but like, I don't know. I just, it seemed very much tapped into subconscious narrative because I was just coming out of dream state and I dream every single night. So um, it was also a way for me to like uh, record my dreams. Um, I, yeah, I love it. I'm glad, you know, I'm so used to all my training and magic. Art is a huge part of it. And then I kind of shifted in a lot of yoga stuff in LA. And uh, although LA is LA and there's tons of artists coming around, um, I was, I just felt like to me, what I was used to, there was less emphasis on that unless it was music and, um, and magic. One of the practices is you have to make art like tangible art with your hands at least once a month. You have to write poetry all the time. Just, just incorporate into your practice and, uh, and then just explore any type Mm -hmm. of art, you know, sculpture, rock sculpture, all of it, just, just go for it. But if you make something at least once a month, like with your hands, whether you crafted a necklace, whether you've got, you know, stone sculpting, chisels whether you were a whittler and started carving wood which reminds me beautiful a beautiful meal too there's like an art Uh, form in there well cooking's a part of it yeah cooking can be uh artistic sure um and then it's just a style of art but you know i'm also talking use your hands do something Mm -hmm. make a sculpture whatever it is you know um i'm giving that as a teaching and a suggestion and explore it you know there's so many from I don't know flower pre- the possibilities are endless it's up to you we're all co-creating with this creator yeah. you know so many spiritual traditions they don't talk about god they just talk about this creator this creative energy force mm-hmm. right that's even the number 8 8 is just infinite life force it's regenerative power what can we just keep creating and you just become a, a conduit and and it's cool and art is really important. Yeah. But not just observing and consuming it. No, actually doing, creating yeah. it. Yeah. Create. Don't compete. Yes. Which is the another negative side of Venus, which we're talking about in that sock, is comparing yourselves to others. Mm-hmm. And if you could just keep on trucking on and keep doing it, less concerned about what others are going to think. You know, I I deal with so many people that want to sort of share more of what they're doing and put it out there. And then so many artists or wannabe artists, for example, are just so afraid of whatever criticism you're going to get. And just get more confident in self. I know. It is one of those things where I'm 
currently wanting to embrace criticism because it's something that if you're, it means that you're actually putting something out there. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're always going to get negative criticism. No. Like just the, my suggestion is ignore it, you know. But you believe me, Gina, you're not going to put anything out there that's going to get like what this poet, this bitch's poem sucks. <laughs> you know, like um, that's just not going to happen. That's yeah. the reality. Yeah. You know, so um, I I vote for a collection of poems. Okay. Wow. Never mind. No, I'm. You don't. You sound. No, like I was a, just like you're I was just pondering on here. it. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, super inspiring there. Okay, let's do it. Book of poems. <laughs> this feels very fake. Book of poems. Well, why don't we go back to the silence episode? Okay. This is up to you. That's just my, you know. As no, I like that idea. I want to do someone that. Someone who does readings and tunes in. I think, will you, will people please comment, should Gina have a book of poetry? <laughs> would you support this work and would you read this? Yeah. No, let's see what happens. Let's see if you get any negative criticism. Okay. Um, I bet you it doesn't <laughs> happen. So yeah. please hit Gina up. Please email us, respond on Patreon. That's actually what's cool about the Patreon is uh, we get more comments and we can respond to comments and kind of discuss it on the yeah, threads. Yeah, I love, I love interacting so you're, with people. Like, uh, when I just look at it on Apple or whatever, I, I can't interact. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. So help the Patreon. Um, and let's see. We got to get the hotline to see if people like vote yes for Gina to mm -hmm. do this project. Um, you know, of course, only if you really love it and want to do it. You sounded dreadfully uninspired. No, I was really, I was inspired. I was just maybe, just, not, just, just uh, it felt a little dreadful because I'm like, okay, I have to work. You um, love work. I know, I know. I mean, you have to do something creative and put yourself out there and that, take a risk and yeah. just say, here it is, world. Yeah, but I'm doing it. You know, there's like a program that's like called Artists Anonymous or something that's almost like AA or inspired. And it's for people that are artists that are just that, but sort of not living it and doing it. Mm. And um, just share it. I like, I'm very loose. I'm off the cuff. I'm, you know what a big lesson I learned? is I met the lead singer to Slayer. Slayer is like one of the most quintessential like thrash metal bands of all history. And uh, like even just total non-metalhead people know, they'll just like Slayer, like everyone wants to say the word. And I was backstage and I got to see Slayer. This was in Washington, D.C. at the 930 Club, if anyone knows that. Um, we have a bunch of buddies from that area. And they all know it. But anyhow, my friend worked for their um, their like fan page marketing, just back merchandise stuff, and uh, and so they pulled me in and just and said I worked with them, so because they knew that I loved Slayer and this was an opportunity to hang out and meet the guys, and of course, like one of the like most negative visual bands every time i meet like these metal bands they're always like the sweetest nicest guy and, yeah you know their imagery is all like satanic inverted pentagrams with like a, a nazi font and uh the lead singer who was also the bass player tom he was just he had like this inverted pentagram slayer mug 
and he was drinking chamomile tea out of it, <laughs> which I guess is also for his throat and singing. But I've learned a really cool lesson from him. And I was telling him a story how, um, well, I was like, it really is an honor to meet you. I was like totally fangirling. And uh, he's just a very gentle soul. Uh, it really just exuded a beatitude, a reverence, and a gentleness. You're like, please hang out with my kids. Um, and he, I, I was talking about an album, and there, there was one, there was like some little skip or something. And he goes, we, don't, we didn't take like second takes. Mm. Like they just, they're like, he was like, we're Slayer. And this is like, you know, recorded really 80s and um they just weren't uptight about it you know as they expanded and probably got richer you know and had more people producing stuff but they were probably on a limited constricted budget probably in their you know 20 years old trying to make some music um in california uh they just it's first take and i think that's sort of a good lesson like sure i mean get the art going but just there's they were they were the last thing he was uptight about was getting out what he wanted to neurotically think was the most perfect mm-hmm. cut of the album before they just gave it to the world. And they're a legendary band now. Yeah. You know, I think they're even like winning Grammys or something. And they were like super underground, harsh, like dark material, parental warning stickers all over it. Mm-hmm. My hippie ass parents, um, they were so freaked out. They were like, "What's? Where's our son gone wrong?" Really? You know? Yes. My, my I literally asked for. There was a Metallica album, the first Metallica album, "Kill 'Em All," and the cover of the album is a sledgehammer in a pool of blood. And my mom was just cr- literally crying. <laughs> She's like, I, "I had songs about like love and peace, and like all I pictures like Joan Baez and her yeah. long." Oh. Um. Her voice to me is very irritating. I respect that she's incredibly talented, so I can't really shit all over her. I don't enjoy it. Remington but, gets really upset if I play Joan Baez in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it pisses me off. Yeah. Um, although you probably don't love if I blast Slayer. But the point <laughs> I'm making is I thought it was so ridiculous that, like, you know, like everything had to be like flowers. I love the music. I love the music. I still love the music. Yeah. Um, but they, they literally, they let me go see the fucking elephant man still traumatized. They would not buy that album for me. Really? Yeah. I had to go take my, I asked for it for like my birthday or something and I had to go use my money. Your dad wouldn't let you, wouldn't buy it for you. The sledgehammer covered in blood, kill them all. Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but Slayer used a lot of dark imagery, but they were like the sweetest guys and, that was just a big lesson. They just, they were like, just put it out there. Um, and they, I mean, they're super talented musicians and I totally get it. It's not everyone's cup of tea for music or whatever, but um, I think that was a good lesson mm. is like, just, you know what? You don't even need a second take. Just put it out there. I see. Think about how much great things haven't been done. Because people are afraid to put it out there. Yeah. A lot of times the people that are successful in this are the people that just created it and actually put it out there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is shit. And who cares? But, you know, you have your unique gifts. You, Gina, but everyone listening. All of us have something unique. And you have to think of your creations and your arts as a gift to the world. And a gift that the world, the gifts that the world desires Mm. and that's the lesson here 
This is the 97. This is the time of death 907. And Gurjugit was a great example of just relentlessly giving those gifts, producing content, and there's enough content now that could probably last somebody a lifetime. So I think with that, yeah, this is our little honorary farewell to Our Lady of Victory who died at 907.